0: A friendly warning some of the stories in the monster box contain scenes depicting adult themes strong language sexual content and intense violence listener discretion is advised hello friend and welcome to the monster box a collection of audio stories of and about monsters inspired by the D&D universe. I'm your resident monster host and narrator, Chuck D. Yeager. Beside me sits the aforementioned Monster Box, a treasure chest full of stories written by a collective of monster lovers, like yourself, known as the Monster Nation. Each time I open it, I release a new tale about a different creature for your enjoyment. So let's lift the lid and see what awaits us. Today's dark tragedy concerns the vampire. Vampires are no stranger to our mythological lore. We know their powers to blend into shadows, to become animal forms, to charm with a glance, to drink blood and live forever, and of course to avoid the sun at all costs, lest their wonderful undead lives be cut suddenly short. We've all heard the stories of the price one pays to become a vampire, but do we really know all the details? This story is brought to you by Terry Spear, dear listener. I hope you enjoy it. It's entitled, Pay the Price. The large, opulent bedchamber was thick with haze from the burning incense. It hung heavily in the air, diffusing the light from the candles, creating a dreamy, surreal glow to the room. The incense was meant to hide the rotten smell, but it didn't. It made his nose tickle, and his body wanted to sneeze, but he dared not. The young Prince Antonus needed to be quiet. He was told to be seen and not heard. His father was dying. The king was afflicted with a disease that turned organs and flesh alike into sludge, and there seemed to be no escaping it. What had started as a simple, innocent cough had quickly transformed into a death sentence. Blood now oozed from his nose, eyes, and ears. The flesh on his body sloughed away in thick chunks, revealing putrid, exposed wounds dripping in pus and black rot. The young prince watched it all transpire in silent horror from his corner of the royal bedchamber. Antonus stared at the man he had always thought to be indestructible, who was now rotting from the inside out and hardly able to function. The king once strong and firm now begged for death to anyone who would listen he begged to be released from his anguish but simultaneously refused to die for fear of losing his worldly might and possessions the embodiment of royal power was now a blubbering stubborn beggar who taxed the patience and limits of all who surrounded him when the royal saints and alchemists and all others first arrived to aid the king in his time of need love and reverence filled their hearts and lips it was an honor to be in the castle in his presence. We love you, my
1: king. We will cure this plague, my king. We are here for you, my king.
0: But as the disease worsened, the loyal subjects changed their tune. Witnessing the horrors of this savage blight on their king was too much. They began to hate their king, hate that they were trapped there serving him when there was no hope. Devotion eroded into disgust and disrespect. In the darkest corners of the room, different words were muttered from their tight, scowling lips.
1: We loathe you, my king. Plague consume you, my king. Just die, my king.
0: The prince heard all the whispers. He was stunned that the subjects who had claimed to love and support his father had turned. Now that the king was no longer powerful, no longer an ally to be leveraged for political standing and personal gain, The loyal subjects had abandoned him he was no longer valuable antonus cried as silently as he could his shoulders shuddering only when the sobs were too strong he wept for his father he wept for himself the prince was wise enough to understand what was happening and what it meant for him and his future was this to be him someday would he end up like his father suffering a disgraceful demise on a deathbed surrounded by subjects who no longer cared just then, the king grunted out an indecipherable command and feebly motioned for assistance. Antonus watched as the servants feigned interest.
1: What, my king?
0: We didn't understand you. A saint leaned in to better hear him when suddenly the king's bloodshot eyes flared open and he grabbed the saint by the shoulders. The saint flinched and tried to withdraw from the king, but somehow the king held tight. Everyone out! The king rasped. Out! He coughed and choked on the last word, which served to emphasize it. More alert than he had been in days, the king stared into the eyes of the man he gripped. He spoke slowly, deliberately, and with a purpose. Find Kalyana. I must speak with her. The saint tried to shrink away yet again, but to no avail.
1: Sire, what you ask is impossible. She hasn't been seen in many years. Surely we are free from... I mean... uh. uh,
0: the saint stumbled on his words.
1: Surely she has moved on from our lands here in Tamaran? I must speak with Kaliana. Find her. Go. Now! Everyone else, get out!
0: At that, the king released his grip on the saint and slumped back into the pillows, exhausted by his outburst. The saint went running out of the room, happy to be free from the sickly man. The rest of the servants began clearing out of the royal bedchamber as commanded. One of the handmaids noticed young Prince Antonus in the corner and came to collect him.
1: Come, my prince. Your father wants to be alone.
0: She helped him up and gently pressed her palms against his back, urging him towards the door. But Antonus turned and ran to his father's side before the handmaid could stop him. Father, I'm frightened. Don't leave me here alone. Antonus quivered. The king wearily opened his eyes. They were bloodshot and crazed. He looked down at his son. Without recognition at first, after a moment, the king remembered. Antonis, he whispered.
1: Listen to me, son.
0: We are cursed. Our blood is cursed. I thought I was strong enough to avoid this, but I'm not. Tears rolled down the prince's cheeks. I am afraid. I don't like what is happening to you, father. Is this what death looks like? The king spoke breathlessly and heated. This is death, my son. Look at me.
1: Look at my flesh. This is what death looks like. You must do anything you can to avoid
0: this, as will I. Never die, son.
1: Never die.
0: The king shut his eyes. Antonus stood there, confused and frightened by his father's strange words. How could someone not die?
1: Father, I I don't understand. How can I avoid death?
0: When the king opened his eyes again, he seemed more present than before. I was hoping this
1: curse would have stopped with your grandfather, but it didn't. I pray that it stops with me, and you never have to endure this.
0: Antonis was wordless as his father reached out a feeble hand to brush his son's hair from his eyes. Now please, go. My son, I have something to tend to. The prince reluctantly obeyed his father and let the handmaid guide him away. Never die? The handmaid brought Antonis into the receiving room with the other servants. After she had left him, the prince wiggled his way up to the bedchamber door and hugged close to the frame. He wanted to be as near to his father as possible. Time ticked by. The servants, bound by their duty, remained cooped up in the small room waiting to serve the king. It was now deep into the night. Antonus was leaning against the doorframe, nearly asleep standing up, when the saint finally returned with Kaliana in tow. Some of the servants let out a frightened gasp at the sight of her, but quickly hushed. Some nervously backed away. Some stood with their mouths agape. Everyone watched. A servant in the back of the room spoke. You found her! The saint seemed weary and responded hollowly as he set himself down in the chair. No. She found me. Time seemed to stand still as Kalyana began walking through the room towards the royal bedchamber. All eyes followed her movement. Kalyana was tall, and dressed in velvety black robes that clung to her curvy, feminine shape. The velvet fabric revealed nothing, yet teased everything. Her face was obscured from view by a large drawn hood. A mix of envy, desire, and fear permeated the room. Even the blind could see that men wanted her, and the women wanted to be her, yet they were all terrified. As she walked past Antonus and into the royal bedchamber, he thought he saw the candles dim. The prince watched as Kalyana arrived at his father's bedside. All he could see of her was the slender, pale hand as it emerged from the sleeve of her black robes. She gently took the king's hand into her own. Antonus leaned in, straining to hear their conversation.
2: My king... I am here. How may I serve you this night?
0: Kalyana's voice was soothing and rich. The king opened his crusty eyes and looked up at her. Antonus thought he saw a flash of regret on his father's face. The king spoke softly.
1: Kalyana,
0: I have missed you. I know it's been many
1: years, but I want what you offered me so long ago.
0: I was wrong. Kalyana stroked the king's hand tenderly, seemingly indifferent to the bloody lesions she was touching. She did not speak for many moments, just caressed his hand and stared. When she finally spoke, it was with an ironic smile. Were
2: you? Yes, of course you were. Now you've reconsidered. Death has come and your perspective has changed. So you have summoned me. Of course, my dear king, of course. I will give you what I have offered all those years ago. Never mind the wasted time. I will give you my gift. I will cure you.
0: Antonis' spirits lifted when he heard the woman in black talk of a cure. Kaliana drew in a long breath and continued.
2: You and I, we have always understood each other. We both know that there is a price for the things we desire the most. A price for power. For love.
0: Kalyana let the words hang there, between them.
1: For life.
0: The king nodded his head somewhat dismissively
1: yes of course always a price i didn't need your gift before but i do now i can pay any price the
0: kingdom is rich with wealth thanks to you tell me the price (coughs) and i will pay it the king shifted closer to kaliana begging her antonis still waited outside the royal bedchamber with the rest of the servants watching what was transpiring just barely hearing what was being said. Kalyana's back was to the prince, and he could see his father's bloody face looking up into her eyes. His father looked panicked and urgent, but also something else. Hopeful? Kaliana drew the king in and began whispering in his ear. It went on for many seconds. As the king listened, his eyes grew wide. Then suddenly he jerked backwards and pulled his hands from Kaliana's. He stared at her with a look of shock, and then looked directly at Antonus. Antonis flinched when his father looked at him that way, and backed away from the door, ashamed that he had been caught spying on their conversation. Kalyana straightened, and whispered more things to the king that Antonis could not hear. She was more animated now, while the king shook his head and pleaded. As the prince watched, his father began to weep as the two continued their quiet conversation. Curiosity getting the best of him, Antonis slipped back into the room so he could better hear what was being said. I... I cannot... Pay that price, the King said, still shaking his head. There must be another way for us. I I thought I would do anything
1: to avoid this fate, but you ask for too much. Have mercy, Caliana.
2: It is not mercy I provide, Malleus. It is a new life, by my side, and life has a price. Do you want the life I offer you, free from your pain and agony, to rule again with power and respect?
0: Not at that price. The king rolled over in his bed, turning his back on Kaliana. She stood over him a moment longer, as if holding out for one last chance.
2: Safe journeys, my king.
0: Kalyana turned and looked directly at Antonus. The prince recoiled and was held in place by her intense gaze. She moved towards him and knelt down, bringing her face close to his. She was stunningly beautiful, and something in the prince's 13-year-old body stirred. Kaliana's ebony orbs sparked with strange light, and she looked deep into his soul. Her fingertips gently touched his cheek. Antonis shivered, but not from fear, but from the burning cold that seemed to emanate from her body. She moved her lips close to the prince's ear and whispered,
2: Life is such a precious gift, my sweet prince. What will you do with that gift when your time comes?
0: She remained there for a single moment longer. Then the mysterious black-robed woman rose up and disappeared past the crowd of scurrying servants before Antonis could even comprehend what had happened. The king worsened in the night. It was with a great relief to the caregivers when a coughing fit gripped the king and he began to choke. His body convulsed and thrashed about in a violent seizure. The servants stood watching as he bit off his tongue and drowned in his blood. No one helped. No one comforted the king in his last moments. No one cared. Antonus rushed to his father's side as he died.
1: Don't leave me, father. Please, come back.
0: The prince laid his head on his father's bloody, unmoving (laughs) chest and wept. His father's strange words echoed in his head. Never die. Malleus Valon, the fourth king of Tamaran, passed into the realm of the dead and left his life and power behind. The kingdom put him to rest and dutifully pledged their loyalty to the rightful heir of the throne. Antonus Vallon was a prince no longer. He was a boy king.
1: We serve you faithfully, my king. We will never leave you, my king. We love you, my king.
0: Antonus had heard those words before. He was numb. Time passed. The boy was now a man. He was Antonus Valon, the fifth king of Tamaran. The kingdom flourished under his rule, having stretches of unprecedented peace and freedom from crime. Many years filled with prosperity and joy had dulled the pain of the past memories. The death of his father receded further back into his mind with every year. Life and happiness pushed the dark times aside. One bright spring day, Antonus was out in the grass fields with his family. The sun warmed the air and a gentle breeze ruffled the green leaves on the tall trees surrounding the meadow. Son was chasing father as he zigzagged all around, booming with laughter. Young Malleus reached out his little fingers and tried to grab a hold of his father's belt loop, but Antonis skipped forward just in time and avoided the attempt. They both giggled and kept running. With a huge grin on his face, the boy leapt forward and crashed into his father wrapping both arms around Antonis's waist while they tumbled down into the soft grass in a joyful heap. They laughed in the warm sunlight in each other's arms. Mira, queen and mother, observed it all from their picnic blanket not far away. She smiled wide. The king loved these times with his son. They were the times that he rarely had with his father. She was happy that the current peace of the kingdom allowed Antonis more times like these, Mira brushed the brown curls from her eyes and strode down to meet them.
2: Come, my loves, I've unpacked the basket and lunch is ready.
0: Yes, my queen, Antonis smiled, still engaged in a fierce tickle war with Malleus. As soon as I deal with this attacker, come, my wife, aid me in my battle with this. The king's words were interrupted (laughs) by a series of sudden, fierce coughs. They gripped him and seized his lungs. His eyes bulged with the strain. Antonus rolled into a ball and clutched his sides. Mira frowned as she watched Antonus hack violently.
2: My darling, are you alright?
0: Concerned, she bent down and put her hand on his broad back. Malias had moved away to make room while his father retched. Antonus was on his hands and knees now, trembling. Finally, the spasm subsided, and Antonus breathed in a painful, ragged breath. He looked over at Malleus. His son looked frightened.
2: Hi heavens, what in the world was that about?
0: His wife asked.
2: Did you suck in a bug during your horseplay?
0: Red-faced, Antonus could only shake his head. He was still catching his breath and couldn't speak. Wife and son helped Antonus up and began walking towards the blanket to rest. As they stepped together, Antonus's eyes began to haze over and become blurry. The world was starting to swim, and his skin felt warm. Another forceful convulsion gripped Antonis' stomach and he collapsed onto his back. His throat was clogged with something and he couldn't breathe. As his body coughed involuntarily, Antonus couldn't help but notice the puffy clouds floating by in the sky. They looked so soft. He thought he heard his son shriek, but it sounded so far away. Why was Malias screaming? Suddenly, Mira was there next to him, cradling his head and wiping something warm and wet from his lips and cheeks. She motioned to her paladric guard to come help. Why did she look so scared? She should look at the clouds, he thought. That would make her feel better. The clouds were so calm. The last thing the king saw was his wife looking at her hands in horror. They were covered in his blood. Antonis slowly opened his eyes and blinked. The dim candlelight had a surreal glow to it. When his eyes adjusted, he saw that he was in the royal bedchamber, laying in his bed. There were servants all around, tending to various duties. Some were carrying away dirty sheets, others were lighting incense in the corners of the room. There was a saint speaking quiet blessings at the foot of his bed, unaware that the king had awoken. Antonis saw that they were all unaware that he was awake. Something about it seemed familiar to him. The aroma of the incense was strong. It made his nose tickle. Inside Antonus's head, a small warning began to sound. What happened? The king demanded to no one in particular. Where are my wife and son? The servants stopped what they were doing and the surprised saint stepped forward to answer the king's questions. My king, you have been asleep for days since your collapse in the fields. Do you remember? When the paladins brought you back
1: to the castle you had lost a large amount of blood. The alchemist managed to calm your spasms
0: and halted the internal bleeding for now, but but what? the king interrupted. We the saint hesitated. Out with it, man. We could do nothing for your skin, sire. I'm afraid, the saint looked at the floor, averting his eyes. I'm so sorry. Antonus glanced down at the skin of his arms and it appeared to be fine, except for seeming a bit paler than he remembered. What about my skin? I see nothing wrong. No one in the room responded. Damn it! what? A meek handmaid stepped forward with a small mirror and offered it to the king. He intended to forcefully swipe it from her, but was surprised when he could barely extend his arms. He was weak. Looking in the mirror, Antonis gasped when he saw what looked like his father's final image in the reflection. The king's eyes were red and veiny. His nose, eyes, and ears were spattered and crusted, dried with blood. And on his cheek, he saw a shadowy, putrid-looking shape, puffy and raised. He instantly knew what was underneath the skin. pus and rot. Antonis flushed with despair. The room was filled with people, and no one said a word as Antonis stared at his face in the small mirror. Everyone knew what it meant. Everyone remembered his father. The king finally looked up from the image and saw that everyone was staring back at him. Was it love and concern he saw in their eyes? Or something else? Antonus recalled a little boy laying on his father's unmoving chest. Fear welled inside him. His mind raced towards an end that was already rushing to meet him. Panic gripped him and the room started to spin out of control. Fear boiled up from the pit of his stomach. Fear of death. Then, from a darker corner in his mind, another memory surfaced. And the spinning stopped. A woman in black robes so captivating and mysterious so fascinating and beautiful a woman that offered a way out get me Kaliana. no one knew where to find her no one had seen her since the night his father died despite his weakness and being cautioned against it the king left his bed and went off to search the castle for Kaliana alone he had to find her but he had no idea where to look or even if she was still here something inside him believed she was though So he started with the lower halls in his castle, where people seldom went. The sky was dark with storms that night as he searched the castle alone. Only flickering candles lit the way. Thick thunderheads hid the moon from view while Raiden poured down. Lightning crashed in the sky, frightening children in their beds. After hours of fruitless wandering, the king was exhausted. Antonis stopped to lean against a wall to rest. Perhaps this is folly. Perhaps I am a fool to believe that she will be here after all these years. A fool to believe anyone could help me with this curse. As the King leaned against the wall in the shadowy stone hallway trying to recover his strength, a strange and sudden chill swept over him. The candles appeared to dim. The hair on his arms stood.
2: My King, I am here. How may I serve you this night?
0: The words were rich and soothing and so familiar. Antonis slowly turned and saw Kaliana standing there in the darkness. Emotions filled him. He was frightened, and hopeful, and lustful, and dying all at once. It had been 31 years since he had last seen her, and she appeared untouched by time. Her beauty was unchanged. Her face was flawless. Her dark eyes sparkled intently beneath the cowl of her black robes. She was mesmerizing. A deviant smile briefly touched Kalyana's lips as they looked at one another.
2: You are dying, my king.
0: She raised her left eyebrow slightly and pursed her lips.
2: We both know it. Your worst fears have come true and your father's fate has become your own.
0: Antonis could only blink. Her words rang true. Kalyana continued.
2: You know deep in your frightened heart that somehow I have a cure to your disease. So you came looking for me. I remember you that night so long ago when your father summoned me to his deathbed. You were a handsome, precious boy, learning the hard truth about mortal life. I could have saved your father that night, but he refused to pay the price. Will you let me save you, my king? I can, if you would only...
0: Her hypnotic eyes seemed to flare and shine from under her hood as she left the words unsaid, hanging in the air between them. What is the price, Kalyana? She smiled playfully.
2: Come, let us retire to my home where you can sit and relax. Look at you, all a mess. Surely you could use a fire in a comfortable chair.
0: I don't have time to travel to your home, Kalyana. I need your help now.
2: <laughs> don't fret. I promise it's not far, my king. In fact, it's right here, under your nose, in your castle.
0: The king stood with his mouth open, shocked at her response, but she said no more. Kaliana proceeded to lead him into parts of the castle unknown to Antonus, down hallways hidden in plain sight, around bends that shouldn't have been there, through doors he didn't even know existed. Eventually, they rounded a corner into a hallway that led to a single iron door. There was no door frame around this door as the metal went from floor to ceiling, covering the full height and width of the hallway. There were not even hinges that the king could see. The iron of the door was blackened, as if burnt from a fire. It was crisscrossed with metal straps and bolts. There was a single sculpture on the front, right where a knocker would have been. Rod of iron emerging from the metal was a skull with its mouth open in a silent scream. Kaliana placed her left hand on the iron skull and spoke a strange word. Antonus watched as the door seemed to shimmer for a moment, then became transparent. He could still see the door, but now he could also see the room beyond.
2: "'Won't you please come in?'
0: she invited. He followed her through the now ethereal door and entered into a large stone chamber. Inside, there was a hearth with a roaring fire, and soft furs covered the floors. A large, regal bed dominated the center of the room. The bed looked immaculate and unused. On the floor next to the bed was a long rectangular box made of dark, lacquered wood. "'Is that a coffin?' Kalyana led the king to a plush chair so he could sit down, Then she relaxed on the foot of the bed, not far away. The king began to wheeze as his lungs started to tighten. His vision was beginning to sway and swim. The king shut his eyes and forced his body to relax. He had to stay conscious. There were so many questions that needed answering. How is it that you live here, in my castle, and I haven't seen you in over 30 years? Antonis, she began patiently.
2: My history with your kingdom is a long one. Your ancestors and I put an arrangement in place centuries ago, when times here were not so safe. I agreed to keep your lands free from those who have (laughs) ill intent. And in return, I was provided a secure place to rest during the day, where no prying eyes could find me.
0: Antonis interrupted. A place to rest during the day? What do you mean? Kalyana ignored his question and continued.
2: Year and years passed and I had no desire to interfere with your descendants. But that changed when I had a chance meeting with your father. He was different than the kings before him. He saw value and beauty in things. He was willing to experience the night with me. We shared many things, he and I, things that no one else knew. For a time, we shared a secret life down here.
0: As she spoke, Kaliana absentmindedly ran her fingers up and down the smooth, pristine silk sheets of the bed. Antonus began to understand what she was implying, and his eyebrows rose.
2: Don't look so surprised. We all have our secrets, including your late father. I was in love with him and he with me. He took me, and in our unlikely passion, I did something I never thought I would do. I offered him my gift. I wanted your father to be my chosen the first to join me in this eternal life, but I did not anticipate how stubborn and arrogant he would be. He refused my gift, not wanting to give up his mortal life. He wanted to have everything and sacrifice nothing, but it could not be so. There must always be a sacrifice. After his refusal, I disappeared, hiding from his sight for both of our sakes.
0: Kalyana sneered.
2: Of course, death is a proper motivator, and it nearly changed his mind in the end.
0: She looked at Antonis and nodded.
2: The threat of death has changed you too, my king.
0: She looked back towards the fire, lost in memories.
2: I gave your father one more chance to live that night. One more chance at life. But he refused to pay the price for my gift. And now he is long dead. Such a waste.
0: After a moment, Kaliana turned back to gaze at Antonis.
2: <laughs> and now you have that chance. Will you waste it?
0: Kaliana's talk of her eternal life was the final piece of the puzzle for Antonis. Her agelessness and talk of centuries, the coffin, the old stories of a dark, mysterious protector that watched over the kingdom at night. Calliana could see in his eyes that he had put it all together, but she also saw that he did not recoil in fear. His eyes were clear with understanding. Vampire, he whispered. A smile oozed across her beautiful face.
2: Yes, very good, Antonus. I am a creature of the night, Nilviv Vampiris in the old tongue. A vampire in this age. I am the dark hero in all the stories you were told as a child. I keep your precious people safe at night while they sleep. I am the legend that protects this land from evil because I kill the killers. I am the reason you have unprecedented peace and freedom from crime.
0: She drew in a deep breath and slowly exhaled.
2: I live eternally, requiring only the blood of mortals to sustain me. I hold the key for you, the key to eternal life, with no suffering and no disease. You only have to pay the price, and you can live forever, rule forever, in power and strength, with me by your side. Will you sacrifice for life, my king?"
0: On his arms. Antonis could see puffy black patches forming. His breathing was ragged and short. He knew that his time was running out. But to be cured by a creature of the night? At what cost? What of my wife and child? How do I continue this life as a vampire? Kaliana read his thoughts.
2: How do you continue this life when you are dead, my king?
0: Antonis let her words sink in. The rot in his body was taking him. If he died, he would never see his family again. If he let Kaliana cure him, then he could still be with them. The king made his choice. Take of my flesh, then. Take of my blood and my soul. I submit it to you. Drink your fill so that I may live again, without pain and death. Kaliana shook her head and looked upon the king as if he were a child, so sweet and ignorant. The vampire got up from the bed and walked around behind the king to gently stroke his hair. She whispered sweetly into his ear.
2: No, my sweet. "'I will not drink your blood. That is how I feed, not create. You would die once I drained you, never to return. And that is not what either of us want.'
0: She gently ran a fingernail down the skin of his ear. "'But the old stories—' Antonis frowned, confused. "'I thought that's how you—' Kaliana shook her head again.
2: "'The stories are wrong, dear king. Ignorant men who know nothing write stories.' Remember what I told your father that night? What I told you this night? There must always be a sacrifice for the things we want the most. Your death is no sacrifice.
0: The king raised his voice, becoming frustrated with her. Then what must I sacrifice? I tire of these games. Tell me the price, and I will pay it. I will not go back to that bedchamber and die a wretched death like my father. Kalyana deftly moved around the king and took his face in her soft hands. Antonus was instantly captivated. She stared intently into his eyes and whispered her next words.
2: Your son, my king, he must die for you to live a life for a life that is the price.
0: Antonus had no response. He flashed back to his father staring at him while the vampire whispered into his ear, now understanding why his father could not pay her price. Calliana continued in a soft voice.
2: I will grant you my gift. The kiss of the vampire. While under my blessing, you will be temporarily cured of your curse, your pain, and your disease. But it will not last beyond this night unless you make the sacrifice. Before the sun rises, you must slit your son's throat. When the last breaths of life are escaping his body, you must drink his blood."
0: Her voice began to crescendo.
2: "...Drink all that you can in those precious moments before he dies. Drink deeply and think only of me. When you return to my side, I will complete the ritual and you will be reborn as a vampire. My kiss and your son's blood will make you immortal. We will live together
0: forever. We will never die." The king sat there, slack-jawed. How could he sacrifice the life of one he loves for his own? Anger began to fill the king then. Anger at this family curse, anger at Kaliana and her games, Angry that once again he was a quivering child, afraid of the dark and death, his anger bolstered him. What sort of monster do you think I am? My father wouldn't do it, and neither will I, he said defiantly. Antonis tried to stand then, but his legs had lost all their strength. He strained to push himself up with his hands to get away from this place, but there was nothing. The effort caused blood to begin trickling from his nose. He started to cough violently again and slumped back into the chair. His vision started to swim, and it was cruelly nauseating. As the world began to close around Antonis, as the blackness filled his eyes, the fear of death gripped him even more. Oh God, he wheezed. I don't want to die. Not like this. Not here. Kaliana's face softened as she watched Antonis teeter towards death.
2: Your time has come, my king. All life ends in death. When you were watching your father die, I told you that life was a precious gift. I asked you that night what you would do with the gift of life when it was your time.
0: She gently brushed the sweaty hair from his eyes.
2: Did you think I was talking about your life?
0: Antonis Valon, the fifth king of Tamarant stood silently in a small, dark room. The windows of the room were closed against the fierce storm that night, but the curtains were not drawn, letting in brief flashes of light whenever lightning streaked across the sky. In those brief moments of illumination, the king could see a small bed with a small shape in it, under the covers, sleeping soundly. The king of Tamaran had been standing there for what seemed like hours, barely breathing, staring into the darkness at the shape of his son underneath the covers. The kiss of the vampire had done exactly as promised. The tightness in his chest was gone. He had no urge to cough. The murderous black rot was gone from his flesh. He felt no pain in his body. All the king felt was Kaliana's burning cold kiss on his lips. The kiss of the vampire. And hunger. Lightning flashed again reflecting off the long steel blade in the king's hands. The young prince stirred in his bed, partially awoken from the loud clap of thunder.
1: Daddy, is that you? Why are you crying, daddy?
0: A final crackle of light filled the room as the gleaming dagger speedily descended towards its target. And with that, our story comes to a close. Ah, the classic ending. Did he kill the child or not? Clearly, we're led to believe that he was given the gift of undeath, but to refuse a vampire its payment is never a good thing. Still, to lose one's child, one's line as a king? uh, That's a strong price indeed. Vampires, you never really know what schemes they're up to. One of the reasons I love them as monsters. It goes beyond simply killing for them it's only after life is finished that their games can truly begin thank you for tuning in today's tale was written by terry spear it was narrated and produced by chuck d yeager voice talent was provided by zane bailey laura lee campbell tanya yeager and myself all music is by kevin mcleod licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 if you have a story about a monster and want to join the illustrious writers of the Monster Nation, feel free to contact us at themonsterboxawaits at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, there's a story within every monster.